Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Hey, welcome back to the Men's Divorce and Cordell and Cordell podcast. I'm Scott Trout, managing partner, CEO of Cordell and Cordell. Continuing, as always, if you're a frequent fan or watch our YouTube channel or subscribe to this podcast, we're going to bring you issues, topics, kind of information, educational resources before, during, and after divorce. And today is no different, but as always, we continually caution. And that is, hey, this isn't legal advice. We want to just point you in the right direction. There's no substitute for an initial consultation. And what is that? Uh, find out. We did a, con- a podcast on initial consults. Check it out. But that's just meeting with a lawyer. Taking what you get today, some questions. We're here with our guest from Oklahoma City, Victoria. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. So, yeah. So we're going to take what we're going to learn today. Right, get some uh, paper and a pen, pencil, whatever, take some notes, because that's what this is designed to do. And that is to kind of educate and inform you. We all Google things. If we want to learn more, you know, you go to the doctor and they say, well, you have plantar fasciitis. You want to Google it. You're going to find out more. That's what this is designed to do. It cannot substitute for a consult. But by the way, if you want to consult uh, with Victoria or anyone in our offices around the country, you can go online at cordellcordell.com. You can schedule an appointment. Don't even have to talk to a human being. You can look up the, the office nearest you. You do that online, or you can call 866-DADS-LAW. Either one, both work. Encourage you to do it. It's the best use of an hour of your time. You're going to get a ton of information, a ton of advice, and point you in the right direction. So anyway, enough of that. Let's get started, Victoria. We want to talk today about something we haven't done in probably well over a year on this very topic, I think, and that is talk about complex financial issues. So a lot of you listening may be thinking, well, I don't have a very complex case or I don't have complex you know, financial issues. It's a lot like um, estate planning. People think about estate planning. They think, well, I have to have a lot to plan. Well, no, complex financial issues can mean a lot of things. And I think it can apply to a lot of people, if not everyone. So let's just break it down, Victoria. Tell us what constitutes complex financial issues in divorce. Yeah, so um, I would say any assets that are tough to value, um, fluctuate in value, and are otherwise non-traditional, another indicator of complex issues would be substantial debts to service and or divide. And I think, you know, with the times they are, you know, how they are at this present moment, and with sometimes we think there's an oncoming recession, I think that's one of the biggest that we're seeing over here in Oklahoma is, you know, what is substantial debts? Um, And so all of those things, it's critical to know that, you know, if you have an asset that's tough to value, and maybe you don't even know, but it's good to have that consult with that attorney that can identify and and kind of spot, okay, yeah, this, this is a complex financial issue. And it doesn't, I mean, it's such a big word or big words, complex, financial. Mm -hmm. It can be small business, right? Uh, I've got a a client right now that owns a very small plumbing company, but it's complex because we're dealing with certain issues within this very, not sole proprietorship, but it's close. um, And that constitutes that just any business could potentially be a complex financial issue, right? Yes, that's correct. And I would even add to that too, Scott. I think 
um, you kind of nailed it there. When you're self-employed, it's critical that your attorney has good record keeping, right? I mean, documents are next to everything in divorce land. So I think that right there, like you said, would alert me um, as your divorce attorney, okay, there's a complex financial issue here and there's a document production issue here. I think the challenge for a lot of small business owners, especially in divorce, is trying to tell them, look, we need to value your company. And they think, well, no, I know what it's worth. It's worth, you know, blah, 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 blah. I can testify to that. And, and that's, it is, a, it's by nature, there are different methods to value companies. And by that nature, it's complex. I mean, everyone knows our IRS code is substantially complex and it's overly complex. It's ridiculously complex. <laughs> and so by that, I mean, we've got valuation issues to think about and try to say, then that doesn't mean there's going to be a value. I was telling my client, I think your business is worth zero. It's all goodwill. There's a term that's used. Um, so, but we still have to have an expert, someone uh, disassociated, uninterest, uninterested in the outcome, tell a court that it's what its true value and how they arrived at that. So valuation, dealing with if you have another partner or their owners, that's that's something that has to be dealt with. Yes, that's that's exactly right. And and you know, something so critical with complex financial issues and self-employment, like you're saying, Scott, is um finding individuals early on, right? I mean, can your attorney contact the CPA? Can we get in touch with someone that does know the inner workings of the business? So then we are you know, knowledgeable enough to say, yeah, the business is worth zero. And yeah. there is a goodwill issue. And I think just being able to identify that, you know, do we need to do evaluation? You know, maybe we say, no, we don't. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's nothing to value. Um, but I think preparing clients for that discussion, preparing them for, hey, this is going to be the discussion is how much is your company worth? Because sometimes even that is is foreign. You know, it's it's not something that clients are thinking about right away when they when right. they have a divorce on coming. Right. I mean, I think that's maybe perhaps you know, depending upon their age, if they're not near retirement, they're not thinking about valuation. They're mm -hmm. they're thinking about how do I produce more income? How do I keep you know a, a payroll? How do I meet it? So they are complex, and I think that is that's why. I, Although it's, I guess it's a big word and with it, it comes this, you know, what we, what we think complex means. You know, if you think a complex math formula, I'm thinking about 32 digit multiplication, you know, that could be complex and take me hours without a calculator by hand. <laughs> but so I think that's why it's so important to talk about it because divorce lawyers, you and I would sit and say complex, you know, financial issues. And we know what that means. But I think part of the challenge for divorce lawyers is breaking it down into terms that that, that everyone understands. And, and that's why we're doing this podcast. So we think about, I was just looking at um, a tax return and someone reported some passive and active income. And not oftentimes that people understand what that is. So that's complex. Passive income, what is it? Yeah. So um, that's one issue I see all the time with self-employed individuals, self-employed clients is, you know, when I start using that word, you know, a lot of them will stop me. You know, what, what does that mean? Well, it's any ongoing cash stream that 
doesn't come from, you know, formal employment. So it's not a typical W-2. It's not a typical 1099. You know, it could be in the form of 1099, but it's it's income where you don't have a traditional employee. So if you're doing something like a lot of individuals are these days, if we're blogging, if we're having rental property income, you know, those are those are income streams that don't look like a traditional income stream. You don't have a W-2 at the end of the year. And so, and you don't have pay stubs even, you know, you you have maybe bank statements that would possibly trail this income and show this income. And, and maybe that's an issue in your divorce. Maybe the other party, you know, your spouse has that. And I think it's critical having an attorney that can understand that early on too. You know, as soon as you say the words, oh, well, she live streams and sells books and, you know, or maybe she has, you know, rental properties. Okay. That should immediately trigger. There's some passive income here. I need the tax returns right. as soon as yeah. possible. And so I think just being able to to have that that trigger to know, okay, there's some passive income here. And and yeah, any non-traditional income is probably the best way, cash stream to describe it. And really appropriate for tech or Oklahoma is mm-hmm. mineral rights. It could be, you know, that is right. I imagine you get a chance to deal with that more frequently than we would here in Missouri. And we have some, or it could be anywhere, Florida, right? So mineral mineral rights for those individuals that are familiar, what is that? Yeah, that's exactly right. So this would be land owned. And and from what I've been able to discern from some of my Oklahoma clients is it's land that's possibly been passed, right? From generation to generation. Oh, my grandpa owned that for X years and we inherited it. I don't know. I, I received checks. And that's typically how the information comes. Well, clients are receiving payments for that the mineral rights on that property, on that land. And maybe it's a parcel of land, right? So being able to identify, okay, there's possibly a company, maybe an LLC out there, you know, you have to do some digging and research and review of documents to know who is the person I need to talk to right away. Okay, A, what are the mineral rights? B, what's the land, you know, get all the information on that. And then need to be able to have that discussion. How are we going to divide these? So if this is an asset that, you know, is marital, maybe it's not separate. Um, how are we going to divide that? And I think that's that's critical to first see it, you know, okay, there's some mineral rights here in your divorce, and then being able to advise your client accordingly to what's going to happen with those mineral rights, or if we even need to to divide them, or if we can. So you know, it goes so far as coming back to the client I was talking about with a small business, uh, retirement accounts, they also can be complex. And I'll give the example, and I'm curious to your thoughts. In my present case, there's an issue. It's a second marriage. So there's some what we call separate nature of this retirement account. But there may be some interest in the accumulated interest and dividends that have occurred during the marriage. And I was in the court or with the judge and the judge was I was talking about how do we even uh, value this interest and dividends because there's gains, there's losses. Everyone knows in 2022, we had a 25 plus percent market correction on pretty much every retirement account across the country. So you have to account for those losses. And that's complex. The judge is like, yeah, you're going to have to have an expert go in with every dividend, trace it, its gain and loss based upon its acquisition date. That's that's crazy. So IRAs, retirement accounts, that all uh, goes for complex financial asset, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And and I think that was a great anecdote, you know, a good example of of how it comes into play in the divorce. I mean, you you typically find yourself in that situation with mineral rights. You've got 
you know, a, a pretty savvy attorney, you the other side has a savvy attorney, and you're sitting there saying, how do we divide these mineral rights? And I think, and like you're saying, Scott, you know, how do you divide these dividends? How do we even know, you know, what what is the value? Um, what's the amount of dividends? So I think that right there is crucial, what you pointed on. I mean, getting in touch with someone, picking up the phone and getting in touch with someone that does know. I mean, yeah. who's managing that those mineral rights? Who's managing you know, that, you know, if it's the company, you know, wh- what is it? So I think that's, yeah, that's critical, complex financial issue for sure. <laughs> so not just assets, but debts as well. Heavy tax debt. I've had a lot of clients come in. Restaurant issues where they acquired a restaurant, but it also incurred a, a massive potential IRS debt that, that the IRS will ignore uh, an allocation of that debt because it's joint and severable with a husband and wife or whatever it may be, or the, the partners. And that's a big issue or credit card debt or capital gains or stock options. All of that is also to be considered as something that's fairly complex and needs the assistance of an expert, right? Yeah, that's exactly right, Scott. And I think as we touched on earlier in this talk, you know, self-employed individuals, I, I hate to say it, but typically I always go digging, you know, I always, okay, let me see the tax returns for X years. And sometimes they look at me, you know, what do you mean 10 years? I need to make sure I can protect you (laughs) in the event that there is a tax debt out there that, you know, we need to discover, we need to know about and divide and try to divide, right? I mean, like you said, IRS loves to ignore divorce decrees. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) no matter, you know, how much language, protective language you put in there, IRS does not care. And so um, I think that's critical is is identifying how much and how to protect. I mean, can we pay it off during the divorce? I mean, these are all things that you want to think about with a substantial tax debt. And and unfortunately, you know, self-employed individuals, it's just something that comes with, you know, owning your own business. You, you, you want to make sure you've done everything correctly, you know, the past X years. But, you know, we, we need to take a look and make sure maybe you haven't filed. Maybe your CPA has been kind of delayed on that. And, you know, yeah. there's a year or two missing there. That's critical to be able to see that and identify that. And, and yeah. So maintenance, spousal support used to be called alimony. Some states still refer to that. Is that something that would fall into this category? Uh, yeah, I would say probably for Oklahoma, um, (laughs) I think that would definitely be a discussion, right? I mean, if one party is going to be servicing that tax debt, at least the decree is going to be outlining that. Um, I think it's going to be important to know. I mean, is is there some spousal support here that needs to be paid to the other party, um, to equalize the situation, you know, for Oklahoma to make it equitable, um, but yeah, that's that definitely becomes a, a big question. And and something, you know, I I thought about Scott was having individuals guide you, especially as a self-employed person, you're going to have complex financial issues in your divorce. It's just a natural, um, I would say it's just it comes with being self-employed, right? And I think being able to have your attorney that can give you, okay, go see this person, maybe they can provide us evaluation, go see this person, um, you know, a a specialist that can tell us, you know, what do we have here? Um, I think connecting them with the right network of people is critical. And early on too, you know, can can we prevent some, some things? Can we protect them early on? I think that's huge. And spousal support, I would say that's, you know, that's, that's one of them. So, a lot of stuff that's packed into the last 16 or 15 minutes. What are the, what's the, what are the takeaways? What, what can our listeners do? You know, and I know the first one has to be associated with the right attorney because that's critical starting point. 
Yeah, Scott, um, I think hire an attorney that's competent to handle complex financial issues in your divorce. Um, as you and I have been sitting here talking and saying, you know, talking about specific examples, like you're saying, dealing with dividends and dealing with, you know, capital gains taxes and passive income. If you have an attorney that doesn't really understand that, I mean, that, that's a, that's a problem already. And so you want to find someone that understands that is competent enough to handle that. Um, I think understanding unique aspects of those complex issues, right? Um, oftentimes spouses don't realize unique considerations involved, um, especially with certain assets, right? I mean, valuations of businesses, sometimes spouses don't typically know that right away. So if you've got an attorney that can identify that and identify it early on, you know, like you were saying, Scott, well, I think the business is worth zero. I think that's huge to be able to have, you know, a competent attorney that can do that. I would say another takeaway would be um, be best friends with your CPA. I think especially if you're self-employed, <laughs> um, have good record keeping. I mean, that's huge. If you if you know a divorce is coming and you know, you know, it's inevitable, that's where we're at. I'm going to go see an attorney. Record keeping is everything. It makes your attorney's job a lot easier. We can really, really protect you and advise you well. So I think record keeping is huge. <laughs> it is. I, I, it helps your lawyer. It cuts down on some costs. I have a, the client like this. He's very organized. If I ask for something, he's got a box with a binder. Uh, I don't have to go subpoena and wait for a bank. Uh, he's got spreadsheets. Yep. He knows. And I think, though, you think through and you mentioned like CPAs and, and having an expert is so critical. I I'm, I can tell you this. I, I've been doing this 30 years, over almost over 30 years. And I tell the clients, when you have issues like this, you're just going to have to have an expert. And I know it costs money. And I know it's, it's, it's more, it's more, it's more. But if you want to put yourself in the best position possible to achieve your goals, you're going to have to do things like this. When you have assets or debts or complications and we use the word complex financial issues it's a rarity that i come in where we don't need an expert because there's just not a lot there and any one of these that we've talked about today and that's the takeaway that you have to have one and it's the great starting point is and i say it every time hire an attorney who practices exclusively in domestic relations and has experience handling any number of these issues you want to talk about their experience handling small businesses or the valuation of accounts and the division and what experts have you used before and how often have you used an expert at trial? That's big. Uh, you know, not that you're going to go to trial, but you want to know that your attorney has that experience or has education and training like we do at Cordell with our trial school internally, that we, we train our attorneys to have great experience and great cross-examination skills with an expert. So, I mean, all those are important, right? Yeah, that's that's spot on, Scott. I think, yeah, being able to be to at least know what you're looking at. I think that's step one. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how, you know, many attorneys I, I see sometimes that even the self-employment world is is foreign. Yeah. And that's that's a problem. So, yeah, it is. Well, good <laughs> stuff, Victoria. Thank you so much for bringing information like this. I know it's complex. I like using that word. But, but you know, here's the point. This is a teaser. We want to try to kind of give you more information. Take all these. I hope you took some notes. And uh, but thanks for joining, and I appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you, Scott. <laughs> so yeah, take this. Let's take the next step. Get a consultation with an attorney that practices exclusively in family law, like we do around the country. We have an office near you. Almost certain. There's very few states that we don't have an office. So you can do it by phone, video, in person. 
You can schedule it on the internet or you can schedule it on the phone. We'll make it as easy and hopefully pain-free as possible, but do that. Schedule a consultation at CordellCordell.com. Give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW and then subscribe to the podcast. You'll be alerted every time great information gets dropped, more topics, something that'll just give you a learning opportunity. Check out our upcoming town hall. You can go to social media, Facebook, go to our YouTube channel, go to our website, find out what is this virtual town hall. Well, it's an opportunity to log in, log on, ask questions live of a panel of Cordell and Cordell attorneys for 30 minutes. You'll get answers right then, right there. We'd love to see it's free. You just sign up, boom, show up, 30 minutes. So make sure to subscribe. Looking forward to the next podcast. Hope you schedule that consultation. Check us out on the web. Until next time, have a great week. 